0: Our reading today is from uh, Psalm 18 1 through 19. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death. Me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and, and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed, he bowed the heavens and came down. Thick, thick darkness was under his feet. He rode up on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out. He sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare. Your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high, He took me, drew me out of my, out of many waters, He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place rescued me because he delighted in me
1: thank you chris Um, i'm a little sad Um, this will be my last sunday so uh, grab a cup of coffee it may go longer (laughs) kidding oh there you go ramey coffee anyone i've got my own ready to go if needs be I, I actually was in class with uh, Jay Adams once, and he told us of a time where he actually fell asleep while he was preaching. He was so tired. He was on this long flight to India or somewhere, and he got off the flight, and they got him right to preaching, and he was so tired that he, he doesn't think anyone actually noticed. But he, he said, I nodded off. You know, he caught himself and his head jerked. But uh, I don't, that's not gonna happen today, we hope, with any of us. <laughs> So, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we have seen that it's in the context of um, Matthew, at at the very least, Matthew 4.19, where Jesus says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So, the Lord's Prayer is in the context of the mission that God has called us to. If we're followers of Christ, if we're Christians, his mission for us uh, while we're on this earth is to bring him glory and to bring him glory by being on mission. And our mission is to spread the uh, holiness of his great name and um, as best seen in the cross of Christ um, and what he has done uh, to bring, reconcile the world to himself. So Matthew 4.19 is um, critical for understanding the Sermon on the Mount. And we also saw that each of the other gospels has this um, quantifying um, summary statement in Mark. He says the same thing in Luke and then at the end of John. And then, of course, we see in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit comes upon his people so they can do the same thing, be witnesses to the greatness of God as seen in the cross of Christ. So... um, Let's take a look, let's open our Bibles, and um, we're going to go to several places today because what we want to do is we want to see how the Lord's Prayer, and especially the mission that we have been given from Matthew um, 419, fits not only in the story of the Bible, um, but also in your own life. Um, so, if you want to mark some places, it might be good for you to do so. We are, we're going to look at 1 Kings. Um, so, if you find 1 Kings and just put a little marker there, 1 Kings chapter 8. And then we're also going to look at Jeremiah 25. And then um, the book of Daniel. And we'll be looking at several chapters briefly from the book of Daniel. There's a few other places we'll go, but um, we don't want to make this too much like a Bible drill. (laughs) Although, if you are looking at the story of the Bible, we call that biblical theology, you do need to, um, it's it's helpful to look at several places to understand the place of prayer in the mission of God, and then also um, what the mission of God is. So, looking at Matthew 4.19, hopefully we see that. Um, Christ then begins the famous Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount is for the very purpose of being of us being better fishermen. And it begins with the Beatitudes, and in Beatitudes, Matthew five and chapter three, he begins and he says, "Blessed." He's speaking to his disciples first and foremost, but there's also the crowd. So this is this is a a discipleship message that is to be overheard and applied to all others who are hearing this, and hope to be disciples. And so he's speaking to his disciples to, you might say, speaking to Christians, everyone who's received Christ as Savior, and understands um, that the love of God has been spread uh, abroad in your heart, that you're part of God's family, you've been adopted, um, he is your Father. Um, you are part of his church and so he says that there is a blessedness to being someone who understands that they are poor in spirit you see in verse 3 and they receive the kingdom of heaven and then there's a blessedness in um, the next verse and they shall be comforted so you receive the kingdom of heaven you are comforted we're just going to look at the results here they shall inherit the earth in verse 5 in verse 6 if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you are satisfied. In verse 7, you receive mercy. In verse 8, you shall see God, which may be the most blessed blessednesses of all of these. You actually get to see God. You know who he is. Um, the next verse, you are, you are the son. You're the daughter. You're of God. You're adopted into his family. Verse 10. It, it will lead to persecution, and you receive the kingdom of heaven. Uh, verse 11, when they will revile you for who you are and what your mission is, but you can rejoice and be glad because you are looking to your reward in heaven. And then, of course, he circles around to our mission. You are the salt of the earth. You need to be salty. You need to, you need to adopt the attitudes and actions of those um, who, who, um, wish to be blessed, but the blessings are amazing. (laughs) If if you just look at the blessings, don't look at the prerequisites to those, but you just look at the blessings. We have the kingdom of heaven. We're comforted. We inherit the earth. Um, we're, we, we're satisfied. (laughs) We are content. We get to, we receive mercy we see god we are called sons of god we receive the kingdom of heaven etc etc um, um, we we become these kind of people that um, elsewhere in the new testament it describes us as we're so so full of joy and glory and goodness that we we just can't contain it read first peter chapter one we we be, being a christian and being blessed by God in these kinds of supernatural ways does something to our whole psyche. It just, it just puts, us, puts us in a place where we just can't contain our happiness. We can't contain our happiness. And in the, in, the, in the midst of carrying out this mission that he's giving to us, in the midst of our happiness, he has given us something else. He's, he's given us the privilege and the, the spiritual weapon of prayer. We can come to him and ask, and we, we've learned this from John chapter 15, that if we abide in his word, if, if we live in the Bible, and, and let the Bible change our, change us to be these kinds of people, and if, if we abide in his love, and if we, we live a life of obedience, that we ask whatever we wish, and it, it will be done for us. And we recognize that without this, this privilege, this, you might say, this walkie-talkie of warfare, to ask whatever we need as we carry out this warfare, that without that, we can't do anything. We are, we are helpless. I think we mentioned being paralyzed from the head down, and all you can do is talk, and and so that that's that's who we are as Christians. We can accomplish nothing on this mission, but He's given us this privilege of prayer, where where we can we can um, press the button. It's actually voice activated. There's no button to press. You just talk, and He listens. And you ask, and you and and you you ask Him for help in carrying out the mission, and you ask for daily bread, and you you ask for forgiveness and for the ability to forgive, and you ask that you not be led into temptation, you ask to be delivered from evil, and, and, and he answers. And then there's a strategic asking where, where we ask uh, for reinforcements, we ask for the materials we need to carry out the mission that he's given to us. And so we, we are engaged, um, we're, we're engaged in this war and it brings us great joy and as we're engaged in it, he he says, "I'm I'm giving you this 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 resource that you just speak, and it's a voice-activated speaking, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna parachute in this stuff that you need." <laughs> um, and and so I think it's helpful for us to know that when when we ask, that 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 many times, he says yes, we. We need help. We need help forgiving. It happened to me this week. I needed help. And, and in the midst of the help, I was, I was reminded that I'm, I'm preaching on prayer. And so I asked for his help and help came immediately. I was, I was just, um, I, I would tell you what it is, but I'm too embarrassed actually. But as, as it was happening, I was just thinking, wow, this is wonderful. Um, and and sometimes he says yes sometimes he says no no you you're you're, you're not quite you haven't honed your mission the way it should be um, I like to say you know sometimes we won't want our neighbor to die or maybe your neighbor's dog to die <laughs> he's keeping me awake um, and so Lord just would that dog just die and um God seldom answers that request because it's probably not a good one. So sometimes you're asking and you're just a little off mission. He wants you to deal with that barking dog in a little bit different way. And so he says, nope, not going to do that. But fortunately, we have the Holy Spirit, uh, Romans chapter 8, who takes our dumb prayers and he reinterprets them, reinterprets them to be smart prayers. And so instead of your dog dying, the, the dog um, barks more and, and you are you are motivated to go and talk to your neighbor and be gracious and kind and loving and talk to him about these things and maybe endure persecution in a very American first world kind of way. Um, but um, some, So sometimes God says no. Sometimes he has, says yes. Sometimes he says wait. And sometimes God, God says wait. Everybody hear me just fine? I'm good? Okay. Sometimes he says, wait. And sometimes he says, not this, but this. So you pray, the Holy Spirit interprets that prayer and says, "Eh, not very smart. I'm going to give him this because this is better for him. And he's going to get that. And you never know that that was an answer to your prayer. And so God... uh, uh, um, John Piper says this, God is doing 10,000 things for you and you're not even aware of them every single day. He's answering prayer, he's arranging things, and we're we're just not aware of it. That should give us great confidence in our praying, because God loves to answer prayer. And especially that he is answering prayer in response. In response to those who are on mission, who are abiding in him and in his word, who understand that to be followers of Christ, we become fishers of men. He loves to answer, but it's not always recognized by us the way in which um, he answers. So I want us to turn to Jeremiah. And um, actually, let's turn to First Kings chapter 8 first. 1 Kings chapter 8, and if you look at verse 46, we're going to follow this um, line of biblical praying according to mission um, to help you understand how it works, but also to give you some confidence that it actually does work. If you remember, um, God made promises to Abraham, four major promises, um, a land, a people, a blessing, a nation. Um and um, then he made promises to King David. But his covenant with those people was, was, was a covenant that God remained faithful to, but his people did not remain faithful. And so after King Saul and then King David, we had King Solomon. And when King Solomon was dedicating the temple he he gives this wonderful prayer and wonderful prayer kind of sermon to god's people and in for, verse 46 we have a very rich kingdom we have a very prosperous kingdom with peace all around and they've built this incredible temple and they're dedicating the temple and the presence of god has enfolded the temple in darkness and verse 46 Solomon prays and says this if they sin against you, he's talking about, he's praying to God, talking about the people, for there's no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy so that they are carried away captive to the land of the enemy, far off or near. Yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you, and, in the. I'm
0: sorry, um, Jen says to ask you to turn off your background. It makes. You cut in
1: and out. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll turn up my background. Thanks, Vic. Sorry about that. Choose virtual background. There we go. Better? Everybody better say this. I put it up there just to remind myself and you. Actually, I needed to tell you that um, it looks like almost 100% I'm going to Liberia. January, February, March for three months. I'll be in the country teaching, and um, covet your prayers. <laughs> it's not an easy place to be, um, but the uh, opportunities for ministry are huge. Um, while I'm there for three months, there, there's no one from training leaders that has been there um, for more than a week or two, actually, and so I'll be able to work with the church and do a a whole lot of stuff there that would not be able to do otherwise. Anyway, back to 1 Kings. So what Solomon is telling them is, look, you're going to mess up and you're going to sin, and you're going to be taken away into captivity. Um, And In verse 47, yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captors saying, we have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their mind and with all their heart in the land of their enemies who carry them captive and pray to you toward the land, which you have given to their fathers, the city that you have chosen and the house that I've built for your name, then hear in heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you and all their transgressions that they have committed against you and grant them compassion in the sight of those who carry them captive, that they may have compassion on them, for they are your people and your heritage, which you have brought out of Egypt from the midst of the iron furnace. Let your eyes be open to the plea of your servant and to the plea of your people, Israel, giving ear to them whenever they call to you, for you separated separated them from among all the peoples of the earth to be your heritage. As you declared through Moses, your servant, when you brought our fathers out of Egypt, O oh Lord God. So, so King Solomon, in dedicating the temple, is saying this. You're going to sin. You're going to be carried captive as we know they were in five, 605, 597, 586 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar came down and took them captive to the land of the Babylonians. And what Solomon is saying, when they're captive in the land, because they've sinned against you and they pray, um, please bring them back to the land and look on them in your mercy. And so let's, let's put the pieces together. That The nation of Israel was on the mission of God, and the mission of God was for them to live in the land, and he would prosper them, and, and the nations of the world, it was at a crossroads of all trade, would see them as the Queen of Sheba saw them, and say, say, you are such a blessed people, You must have this incredible God that you serve. And then they would turn and serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and Solomon. And so it was a come and see strategy. Come and see how a people living under the kingship of God are living in such peace and prosperity and harmony and goodness. I want to serve a God like that. Now we misinterpret much of the Bible, because we are not under that covenant. We are under the New Covenant. And the New Covenant has different blessings and stipulations for us. That's where the prosperity preachers get off. They take the Old Covenant promises to Israel and the old strategy and try to apply it now. And God, the the New Covenant, by the way, is better than the Old Covenant. I know the way I've explained it, you might be saying, Old covenant, that sounds pretty good. No, the new covenant's better. New covenant, much better. So I hope you're following my line of thinking here. Prayer, even in the old covenant, repentant prayer um, to carry out the mission of God. Because when you sin, remember the Lord's prayer and get off mission, you're gonna be a not a very happy camper um, Christians still sin, but what's happened, because we're Christians, is sin does not become fun anymore. It's not as f- much fun as it used to be. Now, if you disagree with that statement, you may not be a Christian. <laughs> but it's true. When you become a Christian, Christ in you wrecks your sin. I mean, it wasn't that great to begin with, um, but there was there's more happiness in sinning for a non-Christian than for a Christian. And for a Christian, it should just be miserable. That's what God does. Okay. So, you get back on covenant mission by prayer and repentance. We see this in the old covenant. We're going to see it further now. And I want you to turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25 and verse 8. Jeremiah 25 and verse 8. Jeremiah was a prophet that was prophesying just before they were brought into captivity, and he told the people over and over and over again, stop your sinning, stop what you're doing, Um, but of course, they didn't listen to him, but in Jeremiah 25, and I'll begin reading with verse 8, he says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Isn't that interesting? But Nebuchadnezzar is the servant of God, and he's not a Christian. Okay, he's not, a, he's not Jewish. He's not a follower of God. There's more about this in the book of Daniel, because we think he does become a follower in some senses. My servant, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants, So who is causing the calamity that's coming across to Israel? God is. And against all these surrounding nations, I will devote them to destruction and make them a horror, a hissing, and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will banish from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the grinding of the millstone and the light of the lamp. I'm going to devastate the land. So much so that there won't even be people to mourn the devastation. You see that? Banish from them the voice of mirth. Verse 11, this whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, And I'm going to put in parenthesis, for doing my work of judgment on my people, I'm going to punish them. The land of the Chaldeans, for their sin, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. I will bring upon that land all the words that I've uttered against it, everything written in this book, which Jeremiah prophesied against all the nations. So Jeremiah is telling God's people, because you have sinned, I'm going to bring my servant Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, he's going to take you into captivity for 70 years. and At the end of 70 years, I'm going to punish that nation. Now, to the book of Daniel. Remember we read in 1 Kings chapter 8, when they pray to this land, remember the directional part of Solomon's prayer and instruction? It, it kind of makes more sense of Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Um, I I can't go into all the details, but there was a a document signed that you could not pray to anyone except the king. When Daniel knew, verse 10, that the document was signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chambers open toward Jerusalem. He got on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Now, we don't know the content of his prayer, but we do know this. That he opened his window and prayed to Jerusalem, even though he knew that if you got caught praying to anyone other than the king or worshiping anyone other than the king, you would be thrown in the lion's den. Hopefully from Sunday school we remember the story. So we don't know what Daniel was praying, but I can tell you this. I wish I'd been there because I would have given Daniel this instruction. It doesn't matter if the shades are open or closed, dude. Keep the shades closed. No one will know. You're praying toward Jerusalem. They won't see you, and you won't get thrown into the lion's den. I've always thought, Daniel, what are you doing? I tell you what, it, I, I, finally, I, I it finally made sense to me, and chapter 9 helps make sense of this. Chapter 9, verse 1. This helps us to know the content of Daniel's prayer because we don't know the content in chapter 6. Chapter 9, I believe, gives us instruction on this. In the first year of Darius, the son of Hazarus, by descent Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. So Nebuchadnezzar has been deposed. We got a, a new, new guy here. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books. What books? The Bible books. I believe the book of First Kings and the Book of Jeremiah 25, the stuff we just read. So Daniel's reading his Bible and he's praying, which is just it is just a wonderful fix to our all our all our prayer problems. If you just read the Bible and pray. Read and pray, read and pray. I perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. He's reading that Jeremiah stuff. And he's figuring it out. He's thinking about it. He perceived in the books. Verse 3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer, and pleased for mercy that Solomon had promised and and prayed about with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord, my God, even in the old covenant, prayer and fasting go together. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession saying, Oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant. The great and awesome God, remember you made a covenant. You made a promise to Abraham and to King David. Prayer in the Bible most of the time in fact almost all of the time is asking god to keep his promises just remember that if you're taking notes write that down prayer in the bible is asking god to keep his promises which is what david what daniel is doing right here who keeps the great and awesome god you see verse um four Who keeps covenant, steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and have done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophet. We haven't read our Bibles. We haven't listened and repented of our sin. Um, Who spoke in the name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belong shame, to our kings and our princes and to our fathers because we have sinned against you. To to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness for we have rebelled against him. He's taking his notes from from 1 Kings 8 on his prayer, and he's combining it with Jeremiah 25. We've not obeyed, verse 10, the voice of the Lord, by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophet. We have transgressed your law, turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. Now we're going to skip down to verse 17. Now therefore, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant, and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Notice he's grounding this in the mission of God. For your sake, O my God, incline your ear, and hear, open your eyes, and see our desolations, and the city which is called by your name, for we did not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, pay attention, act, delay not, for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. We represent you. As people look at us, they see how glorious you are, and we have messed this up. And we this needs to get fixed we we are we need to be back on our mission, oh lord and and you need to bring us back to the land we are still under the old covenant we 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 still need to be a glorious people, and it's for your name um Ezekiel the prophet says the same thing in ezekiel thirty six he says um, it's not." You're not doing this for us, we're doing it for the sake of your holy name and the fame of your name in all the earth. These prayers are grounded in the mission of God and the promises of God. Therefore, our prayers must be grounded in the mission of God and what God has called us to do, to be fishermen of men and spread the glory of God throughout the entire world. Now I'm going to show you we've missed this in Daniel chapter 9 because we're so all fired concerned about 70 weeks and 70 years and um, not that that's not important but we've missed some verses because of it. Verse 20, Daniel 9. This is worth the price of admission today. Let me tell you, do not do not let this just Be a passing thought. In fact, we're going to pray before we read these verses. We should have prayed earlier. Father, we ask for your help. Move in our hearts. Show us what you want us to know from these verses. Use the words that I say, and and may these not be lost. In Jesus' name, amen. While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, you know, Daniel never there's no recorded sin of Daniel, by the way. I I feel the same about Joseph. People differ, but um, they're wrong. Anyway, but Daniel, there is no recorded sin. But what does he say here? Confessing my sin. We know he was a sinner. Okay. That's just like the rest of us. We've been off mission confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God while I was speaking in prayer. The man Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, oh Daniel, I have Now come out to give you insight and understanding about the mission of God and about what the Bible means and the things that are going to take place. At the beginning of your pleas, at the moment you began to plea and confess your sin, for mercy, a word went out. The New American Standard, I like it better. It says a command was issued. At the moment you began to pray, in heaven, a command was issued. And I've come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Do you see this? At the moment he prayed, according to the Bible, in line with the mission and the instruction of God, something happened in heaven and a word was sent and Abril was sent and there was things happening in the heavenlies. The same same concept we see in chapter 10. Daniel, let's, let's look at verse 9, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 9. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, uh, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Do you see this? (laughs) I, it just, I, I discovered this You know, I got past the other stuff in Daniel. I got fixated on 610 because I couldn't understand why Daniel, Daniel, pull the shades, dude. (laughs) Prayer is not stopped by the shades. But I'm telling you, Daniel loved God and loved the mission of God more than his own life. He had to open the windows and look toward Jerusalem. There was no stopping him he had to confess he had to pray god's word back to himself and ask for god's mercy now all you sovereignty of god people and because the sovereignty of god is things are going to happen god said 70 years and your captivity is why do we need to pray god said it would be 70 years you know what god said at the end of 70 it's going to be over and if you pray and confess your sins then the then, then it's going to be over too. And I don't understand how they work, but I know they do work. And, then, and that, that God carries out his mission by the prayers of his people. That's how he does it. So maybe the question is, do you want to be part of God's plan? Do you want to be used by God to carry out his mission? He's going to save those he's going to save, but he's going to do so in response to the prayer of his people. And he's going to do so with the people who are focused on the Lord's Prayer, the holiness of God's name, and who understand that you must be a beatitude type of people with sins confessed and forgiving others and 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 who are content with daily bread and covering and who 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 understand that sin is gonna mess up the mission. These same principles that we see outlined here in Daniel and Jeremiah and 1 Kings are operative today. And we see them them in God's call to us to be fishers of men and to be Matthew 5, 6, and 7 kind of people. And I'll add, Matthew, the rest of the book of Matthew. In fact, if you look at the five major speeches, the five major teaching sections in the book of Matthew that Jesus gave, they all relate to the mission of God. They all relate to our hope in heaven. And, and, and so, so today, this is a call for us as God's people to, to, to return to the mission that he's given us and to be actively fishing for men. And... And to do so by praying that the Lord would send out workers into his harvest, that the Lord would use us, that the, the Lord would open our eyes to see those who need to see God's people as the, most, as the most joyfullest, the most happiest, the most generous, the most gracious, the most nonpartisan political people. That's the only way we're going to get through the crisis in America today. Let's, let's count the crisis. They're, I mean, it's, they just keep coming. And some of us are just wringing our hands. Oh no, what are we going to do? i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to stay on mission because the mission is the most most important thing. And maybe if they see us in a place where they're looking at us and saying, they've got to be in severe distress and wringing their hands and saying, Oh no, Oh no. And they're saying, our God reigns, man. <laughs> He has work for us to do, and we're going to pray, and he's, his hand is going to move, and we're going to repent of our over-nationalistic focus and our hand-wringing. We're going to repent of these things, and we're going to turn from our sin and ask God to keep us from sin. We're going to be the happiest people on the earth because we are, we are in God's sweet spot, <laughs> and we're going to pray, and he's going to move, and things are going to happen. And when we repent and we ask, the command's going to be issued and things are going to happen. Let me, let me reread from chapter 10. Fear not. Fear not, Trinity Community Church and Bob Burris and Christ Community Church, because when you set your heart to understand the word of God, you see verse 12, when you set your heart to understand, you just don't read it to fill in the blank and to check the boxes, but you really want to know And then you humble yourself in prayer and supplication and confession. Your words are going to be heard and things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. Now, we are reading from Psalm 18 this morning. So let's turn there. Psalm 18. I can't. So. So, Psalm 18 is in the context of King David before he's crowned king. And, you know, King Saul hated him. Um, and, and David is running. And Saul has his home, whole army of thousands of men. And David has his little group. And they, get him, they have him trapped. You can read about um, the context in 1 Samuel 23, verses 24 to 29. Most Bible scholars believe that Psalm 18... The context of when this prayer was prayed is 1 Samuel 23, 24 to 28. So David's caught between a rock and a hard place. There's no way to escape. Saul has him surrounded. He's going to be put to death by Saul. The mission of God that David understands is that David is to be the king. And we understand later from 2 Samuel that David is to be the Davidic messianic type of the coming King Jesus. In other words, the mission of God and the plan of God is about to be short-circuited by Saul killing David. We, you have to understand this um, Psalm 18 in this context. You might say, it's, it's, it's like in our lives. We God has called us to a certain thing and a certain mission to proclaim the greatness of his name and the cross of Christ. And it's about to be short-circuited. We we can't do that anymore. My relationship with my neighbor is such that that I can no longer be a witness. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? i tell you what you're going to do. You're going to pray. So let's read Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. He's my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. You can just picture David praying this as as he's surrounded, and he thinks he's going to be killed, and the mission of God is is going to be destroyed. My shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I'm safe from my enemies. It's happened before God. I want it to happen again now, because... In my own strength, nothing's going to happen here. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of shield, death, entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I prayed. I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. Why was his voice heard? Because David was praying in accordance with the mission of God, the covenant of God. God had made certain promises to him so i'm praying to god god keep your promises keep your promises i cried for help from his temple he heard my cry just like he's going to hear daniel's cry for help 70 years are up god it's time to go just like he heard the cries from jesus on the cross Just like he heard the cry from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let this cup pass from me. I called upon the Lord. He heard my voice. Here's what happened. And this is what happens when we pray. Now this is, some say, well, this is is just a metaphor. Well, it may be just a metaphor. Maybe just figures of speech here or whatever. But it, it's, it's reflective of the reality of God answering prayer. This is what it looks like when God answers prayer. The earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils. God doesn't have nostrils, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an anthropomorphism. It's a physical, so we can understand his anger Devouring fire from his mouth, glowing coals flamed forth from him, he bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub, an angel, and he flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord thundered in the heavens and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channel of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were laid bare. At your rebuke, O God, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils, he sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, and from, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place, he rescued me because he delighted in me you see this? Why why did God include this in holy writ? Why is this in the Bible? Because he wants us to know what he does when we pray to him according to his promises. This is what he does. This is the unseen world. This is what happens that we can't see with our eyes. Now, when David was saved from Saul, here's what happened. One of his, you know, he he found a secret little route and and it was gone. God did it. God saved him. But this is what was happening in the heavenlies. When we pray, this is what happens. God loves us. He comes to our aid. He keeps his promises. Stuff happens. So when I pray, I, I keep these pictures in my mind. How could you not pray? God moves heaven and earth to keep his promises, to keep his covenant when we pray. How could you not pray? This is the resource available to you. Without him, you can do nothing. But with him, this is what happens. Whoa. <laughs> this is good stuff. This, this should... So I've got my notes here things for us to do, and a few little stories to tell. But man, I just think this is enough. <laughs> this is enough. Um, I, I'm i looking at my stories here and I'm thinking, no, Psalm 18 is enough, I'm done. <laughs> Rejoice, our Lord is good. He's called us, we are part of his family. He's called us to be a mission, to be a fisher of men, just like Jesus. And he's willing to move heaven and earth to make it happen. Let's, let's pray and ask for his help. Our Father, we thank you for your deliverances for David In answer to his prayer. Father, I'm really grateful for this window into heaven. The smoke and the nostrils and the lightning and the fire and the clouds and the cherubs and, Father, you love us, you love your covenant, the new covenant in the blood of your son, Jesus. Nothing can separate us, not even death. So Father, make us risk takers for the mission of God. Give us ideas. Help us to think of new ways to spread the glorious, the glorious truth of the gospel to all the nations. Help us to trust your promises that we read this morning, not to be anxious about our lives. You've you've got us, you've got this. And if, if, If we die in the process, you've got this too. Angels, principalities, powers, things, presence, things that come, life nor death, nothing can separate us. Take us to heaven gloriously. If it's the risk we are taking for your mission, so help us. Father, um, help us, help Trinity Community Church. What a blessed and wonderful group of folks. just pray your grace upon them. May they understand, may they understand your promises and your promises about prayer. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.